Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. The Fellowship of the Ring, I think, came out when I was in sixth grade. Which was cool. Which was <laughs> cool. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your Legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. Not much. Just another day, another dollar. <laughs> yeah, we're starting to record a little late tonight because I fell asleep before recording tonight. So Sleepy boy, Pat. Uh, Jerry called me and woke me up. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice to have friends who will call you and wake you up when you have uh, engagements instead of letting you sleep through the recording session. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? Did I do that to you? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, like two weeks ago, I just slept through the recording session. And just... Oh, yeah. I think I, uh, maybe I didn't call you. I don't even think you texted me. <laughs> You're just like, well. oh, I definitely texted you for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh, man. Okay. I, I just can't... feel like, hey, if he's sleeping, like, let him sleep. You know, yeah, it's, it's true. He's let, really tired. Let's sleep. Have a long day, Jerry. Let sleeping dogs lie. You know, he works really hard. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here. It's like, Pat, wake your ass up. <laughs> Get in front of the microphone. It was awesome. We got a show awesome. to make. That's right. That's right. And we're here. We're here. And we got a great guest on this week, Jerry. We do. We do. Welcoming back to the cast, our friend from New York, Mr. Roland Chang. How are you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. Awesome. So thanks so much for coming on, man. Always always happy to have you on. Um, for people who might not have caught your last episode you're a New York legacy player, also a vintage player. Uh, you do a lot of work with uh, kind of the 90s MTG guys, but maybe you can fill in a little bit more for uh, for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, you know, first off, it's always an honor to join you guys. And as always, you know, thanks for having me on as a guest of this show, because like I, I do listen to you guys. I don't just, uh, you know, come on here to <laughs> spout, <laughs> spout crap. But, uh, you know, I do listen to you guys while I'm watching editions or, um, you know, running some errands and it's always quality magic content, and I love uh, you know talking to you guys too offline. But um, yeah, I mean, in New York, the magic scene is still thriving in my mind. Um, we are staying, you know, sticking together for the most part, just through webcam magic, and uh, we've we've got a solid Facebook group that is eighty members strong, and uh, you know, it's mainly legacy uh, vintage in there in the mix too. But in you know pre-pandemic times, we were just really uh, hopping into cars together and going to tournaments and you know i think uh, a few of us had made it up to the leaving a legacy opens and uh, other east coast tournaments but i mean i just can't wait till all that stuff comes back yeah for sure i think we're all kind of at that spot and thought it would be a lot sooner than this but <laughs> it is what it is and we're just kind of making the best of it while we can yeah definitely we're probably like what i'm guessing six months eight months at least so <laughs> I mean, by the time that uh, Jeremy Aronson's what ten Ks or hundred Ks uh, in Missouri are are safe, I, I think that'll probably be my first uh, first tournament to go to if I can't make it out. 
Yeah, for sure. Can't wait to go to that one. Uh, in the meantime, though, you've still been slinging plenty of cardboard uh, over webcams. Are you doing mostly like vintage or old school or legacy? What's what's your you know poison of choice these days? Yeah, so uh, mainly webcam with friends. And for a while there, I think it was like four or five months. We, I, I was working with the Paper Legacy Discord folks and the admins there. I was helping admin some of the uh, the weekend tournaments and uh, playing in them as well. Um, I think that's still going on right now, and they're doing a fantastic job weekly over uh, um, on MTG Melee, using that as like the main platform to uh, do that. But you know, MTGPO, the group uh, that we started last time you had me on. Uh, to mm-hmm. kind of you know help promote it, but also to get people more involved in uh, webcam setups. That's almost a thousand members now. So that's oh, wow! <laughs> it's, it's, Damn, it's really you know built up thanks to all the you know all the legacy and vintage, even modern players coming in to just um, join in in the action or just use that as um, as a bulletin board to, to find out more about webcam magic. And I mean, I've I've been actively helping a lot of friends and new members get properly set up. So it's you know taking like what twenty minutes tops to do a quick QA over Zoom, Discord, whereby or any of these video chats, and mm-hmm. you know that's another active player in the community. So um, you know happy to see this continue on. But I'll say in the last three months, though, I kind of betrayed the paper side a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I gave myself a, a three month ramp up. For understanding all the quirks of this, uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk talk bad about it too much, but the the UI of MTGO and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's you know there's so many kinks in that UI that I still fuck it up regularly. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I figured out you know the the normal stuff that you have to get done uh, just to play a game of Magic and without timing out. But um, managed to play a lot more of that just you know and uh, the, the nice thing about it is that it's all convenient right so yeah you can play vintage or legacy at the, any hour of the day almost um, yeah like at 4 a.m like i was doing last night <laughs> rather than sleeping <laughs> that's when you encounter some of the best decks <laughs> it really is <laughs> like uh i think at 4 a.m i don't know who i was playing against but they go like Turn one ornithopter, turn two thopter foundry, make a four four. I'm like, oh, kind <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't know that interaction works because thopter foundry just says like sacrifice tap sacrifice a ornithopter, make a four four. Uh, like uh, I think it's animatron. I forget what it is, but it's like a four four flying ain't. Uh, token mm-hmm. i was like oh that's a 4-4 on turn one that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah this um, mtgo has actually shown me that in vintage even it's still fun so i'm I, I took a little bit of a break the last month from legacy because i you can only take so much uro or oko action i think mm-hmm. and uh i mean I, I love legacy to death but uh, it's like seeing vintage go from like the broken crap into a great place. I mean, I think the the metagame's really shaken up a little bit more, or shaped up to something that's a little balanced, if you can believe that. But mm. uh, I mean, it, last night I think it was around two o'clock in the morning. I played against a uh, five color shop deck, or some color, some kind of color shop deck that 
uh, just reminded me that you know maybe it is actually time to rebuild a five color shop stick. So um, <laughs> usually that's when I don't really know what to play in, in vintage. I just try to go create creative and not play the you know the stack decks or something. Mm -hmm. But for sure, I mean I, I'm just really counting down to when blue green madness will be back. You know will be really good again. Legacy again. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, I've actually been playing a bunch of leagues on uh, Magic Online lately. I've been, uh, I decided I needed to actually like regain the war chest a little bit. So I put down all the wacky decks and I've just been playing uh, blue red sneak attack just nonstop, just the, uh, the bread and butter to get some treasure chests back. Mm -hmm. uh, and man, I just can't tell you how many times it just goes like delver into dreadhorde arcanist into into Oko, and i'm just like mm. god again <laughs> like <laughs> probably like three out of five games is getting it's it's just like delver Oko decks and it's just it's really annoying yeah <laughs> i've played against uh three rug decks at least um in the last challenge that i uh, took part in and uh, that i mean i won those matchups but then i lost like everything else so it's like you can you can win one or the other you can't choose both <laughs> right uh, yeah hopefully something will shake up i loved all the uh the bernie means that got posted and it was uh sometimes like legacy players waiting for an oko ban just <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> bernie with his middens <laughs> still waiting still cold <laughs> yep left out in the cold um, that's cool. I mean, maybe I should pick up vintage. I keep telling myself I'm going to pick up vintage on Magic Online, and then I always fire up the legacy queue, anyways. So, I have I have mana traders, so that lets me, uh, you know, rent out the uh, decks that I want to play. So there's really no excuse other than I just like creature of habit. Just <laughs> click on that legacy queue and pay my uh, hundred pro, uh, play points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could I'd gladly give you a rundown of like the meta game. And yeah, what's what's vintage look like right now? Yeah, what's what's it look like? Well, um, there's a there's a lot of bizarre decks that are using Hogak or Dredge, um, and then there's uh, you have PO decks doing their paradoxical thing and Underworld Breach decks, Doomsday. Uh, oh, Underworld Breach is still a thing in vintage. Yeah, it's not banned. <laughs> it's like not That's even restricted. Good. So. Um, you can you can have fun with that. So you can abuse the graveyard. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of decks that are also controlling the metagame too. Like um, more recently, there was a Bant deck that was using you know Noble Hierarch um, alongside Archon of Amiria. If you can get that down turn one, it just like screws up everything. <laughs> what's what's Archon of Amiria do again? Yeah, I had to read the card the first time as well. Uh, it was <laughs> it's like a two three flyer that. For three mana, I think it, it's, it should be legendary. I think it's legendary. But um, your opponent, it's like all this one-sided opponent stuff. So um, their non-basic lands have been coming to play tapped. And something else, too. Like one, one other, players can only play like one spell per turn or something. So super tough to uh, play around if you're playing shops. And trying to do workshop into something else because your workshop comes into play tapped, which then gets wastelanded. So <laughs> it's not easy at all. But uh, there's so you've got those kind of hate decks. But um, even like white Eldrazi is a thing, or white you know D and T type of um, builds there. And of course you got shops. There's those uh, those kind of workshop brown artifact decks that abuse Ravager and um, 
even ones that can do combo into what the Helm of Obedience with Leyline in play or make 2020s. There's like the Golos decks that uh, can make a turn two 2020. I don't know. I don't, haven't seen a turn one 2020 yet, but I'm sure that's like valuable if you have enough mana. Um, then lastly, I would say like the bug decks and the Jeskai Xerox, which are almost just like the grindiest type of fair decks, but they still do broken stuff like take uh, chaining time walks and uh, shutting down the whole board with like Collector Roof or playing Deathrite Shaman and Tarmogoyfs. Huh. So it's a lot, That's right? Cool. <laughs> that is, that is. I'm trying to see. I'm looking at some decks now, seeing what uh, is actually within my price range. Cool. Not, Not why is re- why is Red and Six still so expensive on Magic Online? Uh, is it a casual thing? Maybe uh, a playset of Red and Six is almost three hundred dollars. Is it played in modern? I thought it was banned in modern. Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Why is it, is it just, it's probably just because it's modern masters, I guess. And modern masters wasn't that popular magic online, but good Lord, That's it's crazy. legal in like one and a half formats. <laughs> it's so expensive. It's legal in, uh, in vintage as well. And there's a four color, I guess, control deck that is using it. So chaining together ancestrals. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. Alright, looking at my budget, I can afford the Underworld Breach deck, the Golo stack, the Dredge. I can actually... Vintage decks online are actually fairly cheap. Shops is only like 350 bucks. Hmm. And that, if you have like a rental service, usually your your rental amount is about 350 to 400 tickets that you can rent at a time. So mm-hmm. there's actually quite a few vintage decks that you can either rent out or have, you know, get real close to it. If you just maybe have a place at a force wills or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So blue Xerox is at about 17%. Underworld breach is about 12% of the meta. Golos is about 11% that you mentioned. Dredge is like 7.3, and Shops is about 6.3. And then what's this? Doomsday is the sixth most played deck in uh, Vintage? You know, nice. Doomsday is pretty amazing. I think we had one uh, one player recently take down, what, the Showcase, plus uh, maybe a Challenge or something the next day, or Top 8 at least. And that's just uh, pretty amazing to see that happen. I mean, I, I see Doomsday cropping up in almost every format now that I hmm. that I'm playing. Um, and it's pretty cool to see that, you know, you can you can put these doomsday piles that are intricate enough and um, using different ways like a demonic consultation to win the game. I mean it's stuff that you haven't seen in, in years working because of uh, Thassa's Oracle. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How so I feel the vintage deck closest to my playstyle is Otha Druids. How's Otha Druids in the meta? That's pretty good. Um, if you like drawing seven cards, you, you do that often, right, Jerry? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, I see the the creature suite is Grizzlebrand. Okay, makes sense. Yep. And then Niv Mizzet uh, Peron. How that is the other creature you choose with your with your Oath of Druids? Yep, and uh, it just pings the field and uh, draws cards, a ton of cards. I think uh, I'm not really familiar with that card too much, but I think it's let's see. Pulling up right I, now. I wonder, so yeah, Niv Mizzet Peron, 
blue, 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 red, red, red for a 5-5 legendary dragon wizard. Can't be countered. Flying. Whenever you draw a card, it deals one damage to any target. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. That's what it is, yeah. And then you just ping even more after drawing more cards. Uh, oh, because it's one over any player, so it just kind of keeps it going. Yep. It's this... I mean, it, I've seen it, like, take down 5.5s five and 6.6s six in, in play on my side, and it's pretty painful to um, to try to deal with. And it, as a control player, that's almost, like, near impossible to get it off the board. Interesting. I might have to try this out. Yeah, they've got a Sphinx of the Steel Wind, which actually hits all the um, all the hate. So it's um, it's protection, red and green, six six flying light, first stream or first first strike, like vigilance and life link. Mm-hmm. So it's safe from most of the artifact hate that you're going to encounter, and uh, you know three turns later, probably you're you're going to win the game. Hmm. Interesting. I might have to just try this if vintage is looking so fun and legacy still being kind of black <laughs> what what about you pat any any vintage decks strike your fancy i mean i like all this like the xerox decks are probably the closest thing that i would be interested in just because it's kind of what i play in blue red delver but um i i don't i i have to say i don't pay attention to a lot like really any vintage stuff as i just uh it's kind of like when I was playing uh, standard and I didn't pay attention to any legacy stuff. It wasn't even really in my periphery. So uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have any any love for the format, but I don't dislike it either. I, I really have no uh, you know no experience with the with the cards themselves. So, Roland, what would you say is kind of like if someone's just trying to get into the format and learn it? What would you say is the easiest deck to learn the format? Uh, to learn the format, I would say probably shops. I mean, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's so sequential and you're planning out what two three turns and it's not like you can really go crazy broken all the time so it's like mm-hmm. workshop trinosphere <laughs> and then <laughs> that'll slow down the game a bit until you need to play something else like another ancient tomb so you can crank out a a five three lodestone golem <laughs> so i i feel that's not the best way to learn the format though because <laughs> like if you're just preventing your opponent from ever doing anything do you actually learn what's going um, on maybe not but that's my that's my form of learning <laughs> it's like <laughs> i play all the spells you just sit there and wait <laughs> and, give me plenty um, of time to play out this hand yeah but you know from a legacy perspective and shifting over uh i would say bug Bug midrange mm-hmm. is—that's um, my other deck that I've been actually having, you know, a fair amount of success. But can't do better than three and two in leagues, so mm-hmm. it's not like you know the best performing. But I, there's a lot of interactivity that goes on. I mean, you're you're putting down what turn one Deathrite Shaman, so but go back in time into what 2012-ish years, <laughs> uh, you get to play Deathrite again and drop a, a three drop like Leovold Narset. Or uh, even a hole breacher, or you know, opposition agent. If you really want to get creative, on turn two, and uh, there's some there's some really good um, good plays that you can set up. Um, and I mean, you get to play with a bunch of broken stuff, but it's not. It is probably the most fair deck, and then you can get exposed to a lot of the the format that way. But mm-hmm. Jeskai, on the other hand, I'm, I'm actually afraid to play Jeskai because I think I will probably time out. <laughs> There's there's uh, plenty of players that I've watched on the opposite side where they 
they were like grinding it through in game three and I mean they only have three minutes left they're not going to kill me so um, I just watched their their time just you know dwindle away and I get the free match win Take it sometimes. I just, I find it funny. I'm just looking here on the MTG Goldfish uh, deck list. Mm-hmm. They have mono white Eldrazi, which is white black. I'm like, okay, that that happens. And then they have white green Death and Taxes, which is mono white. What? what? Why are they called this? <laughs> is it actually white green? It's uh, it says white white green, and then I pull up the list, and it's just like a kind of like a Death and Taxes list. Oh. Yeah, it's probably just mislabeled or something. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, the the quality of uh, you know deck names and even organization of some of the um, the vintage stuff that we have on what MTG Top Eight or even MTG Goldfish is probably not top notch compared to what we have for Legacy. But I think it's it's actually been improving because we have you know guys like Joe Dyer really putting in so many hours each week just you know constantly turning out like the, the really good vintage and legacy content and i mean i'm i'm reading that stuff and just um absorbing the metagame knowledge there and i feel like it's it's really helpful to just you know have a have a pulse on that stuff so i would start there if you want to you know kind of uh, get an idea of what's going on in the metagame but uh, if if you were gonna do use a deck, I mean, just play whatever you want to do. Like that that's fun to you because, I mean, Jerry, you like free creatures, and Pat, you like something that's grindy, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just play what makes you happy, and that's why I always end up with you know five color stacks. With yep. uh, <laughs> you could go workshop, Trinisphere, or what also tinker next turn. So mm-hmm. like, <laughs> those those are the kind of fun things that I grew up playing in uh, in vintage. That you know. Um, you can you could probably use all your legacy skills and um, apply them to the vintage side, which I've seen you know happen many times, and vice versa. Like vintage players coming over to the legacy side that I've you know introduced and you know wrapping them up on Rug Delver. I mean, it's it is the top tier deck, but it is something to learn from and understand why it's so good. So I mean, that's my appreciation of both formats. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to give vintage. I'm actually gonna do it this time. I awesome. always say it. <laughs> I always say it, but I'm actually gonna do it this time. It's just like it's such a da- for me. Like um, getting it into is- another format is such a daunting like undertaking. You know. Oh, I don't know. Is it just? Are you afraid of it, or is it just afraid of losing? Yeah, I mean, it's just. <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just. Uh, yeah, it's just. It's a lot, you know. Like, and, and I think like the. You know, my my understanding of vintage is is you know pales in comparison to my understanding of legacy, which isn't even the, that much to begin with. So it just seems like a lot to walk into. But and, and I a, you know a format like vintage seems like the the slightest you know uh, misunderstanding of, of a matchup probably gets punished pretty maybe maybe the harder than any other format I would think. Yeah, you know, that could happen. I think for me, the biggest thing always was just the card availability, which in paper is is pretty impossible, and mm-hmm. Magic Online is doable, but it's still a fair amount of money to try something out. Like, you're mm-hmm. looking $500 for a deck, um, and a lot of the cards are just not legal in other formats, so it, it can be a sunk cost. But now, with the advent of uh, all these rental services, I think it's just easier than ever to get into new formats like that. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I think my only excuse at this point is just laziness. And, you know, <laughs> 
the security blanket when I fire up Magic Online and I'm uh, you know on my lunch break and I like, just want to grind a quick game out. I'm like, oh, I'll just play another Legacy League. <laughs> yeah, no surprises there. These vintage games are actually like five minutes or less sometimes. I mean, <laughs> ah, so I can just play an entire league on my lunch break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I can't promise that, but it, at least I've, from what I've seen, if you're playing something that's super comboy and you know, like Doomsday, Turn One, Dark Ritual, Doomsday, you can uh, you probably get through a league pretty quickly. Uh, all right, I'm going to do it. My new, my belated New Year's resolution is to get into vintage. Awesome. Well, at least on the paper side, I mean, we've been doing some vi- vintage, and I think Chris wants to do more vintage on 90s MTG. Uh, we we did an episode with it, what, maybe a week ago? And uh, I was able to take down, like, it was Bant, Doomsday, and I think it was the mirror he wanted to play. And I mean, I think you know, if you want to learn just a little bit of bug midrange, I mean, that content right there is probably going to show you some really cool interactions. And um, it's played in paper, but honestly, we play with proxies as well. So if it's up to fifteen proxies, like most vintage tournaments, it's super easy to just proxy up a deck when you go to these tournaments that are maybe at fifteen, twenty players, and um, you know, play along some of the the. I guess most diehard vintage guys, mm-hmm. but uh, you'll learn something at least, and I think yeah. that's the most important part. I, I seriously learn by my all my mistakes on in competitive play. I'm still learning. I'm still screwing up all the time, but like at least I don't make the same mistake twice. So uh, except for MTGO UI stuff, I just always fast fast forward and like you know go to discard when the Hercules <laughs> recalled me in my attack phase. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interactions that you, you you will get used to, I think, in the vintage side, and mm-hmm. you'll see that resolving an ancestral recall is pretty damn important, but it's always balanced out by a mental misstep. Yeah, hmm. uh, I haven't I haven't sleeved up a mental misstep in uh you know <laughs> over yeah. a decade in this, yeah. at this point. I uh, <laughs> that sounded pretty sweet actually. <laughs> well, uh, I never had to live. Through that nightmare of four mental missteps, but uh, some of you guys did. Uh, I get vintage is comforting. You get to go hang out with all your old friends, Deathrite Shaman, and Mental Misstep, and Underworld Breach. <laughs> no companions that are like kind of crazy though. So um, people haven't really used or- Yorian, but I think Gurida, sort of. I don't know if that's the research. You're, you're speaking my language even more. That sounds even better. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff that you can do, but um, Luris is... Did I see it was banned or restricted? I forget now. <laughs> I think Luris is just outright banned in Vintage. It's, yeah. like she's, it's the only card banned in Vintage. It's got to be banned, like yeah. Non-mechanical or anti-reasons or anything like that. Yeah, I, I remember not playing Vintage because of it. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's there's no point restricting it because it's already self-restricted. <laughs> Um, you also do a fair bit of, uh, kind of buying and selling magic cards too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, MTG finance stuff. Um, uh, I've been involved in it from the vendor perspective for the last three plus years. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there that have big collections just like us. So, uh, cause you, I, I remember I went to some of it, either a star city or a GP or something like that. And you were actually, you were working a booth for a shop doing, doing buying. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, tales of adventures, um, it's, uh, Michael Caffrey's shop. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he has a booth that, you know, would normally tour across the country from GP to GP. And, um, 
towards the end of 2019, I was doing a lot more buying for him. And, um, but previous, prior to that, I was working with uh, Grey Ogre Games, and that's where I was actually getting, uh, Pat would appreciate this, all my Japanese cards. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, like everything Japanese, Japanese foil, like, you know, yeah. non-foil, or just the hard-to-get promo stuff um, through Grey Ogre Games. But, um, I mean, there, there were ways that, you know, you could really... Um, improve your own collection through vending, so that's mm-hmm. what, that's where I was just you know, investing more time into it, spending the weekends traveling, and uh, fortunately with my um, my job, it's a little bit flexible with um, timing, timing and autonomy, so it's like, if I need to fly out to Vegas on a Friday night, it's not too difficult, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it was nice to be able to have that, and uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people were reaching out they wanted to know what am I going to do with these cards? They're actually, right. um, what, what's the market conditions? And I get a lot of questions, um, and a lot of people reaching out every day. So, um, like any given day, I'll probably talk to about like five to ten different Magic players that are, you know, asking me how to um, acquire a piece or um, just keeping an eye out for like a dual land. Mm-hmm. And and it it does bring me joy to you know see someone get that thing that's going to finish their deck. Yeah. And um, Pat, I think you've gotten what true names from me before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, I think I got my wastelands from you. I got some pieces <laughs> for for my kids' deck. Yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, but I mean, like the the goal is just to you know get pe- let people enjoy the cards, and it's not for flipping. It's not for you know making money. And most of the time, I can get it at a cheaper discount. And um, Especially on the the GP scene, where vendors they they will buy it in slightly lower <laughs> than <laughs> what it's actually market worth, but um, at least I can you know transfer that those um, those discounts over to my own friends and family. So um, anytime you guys need stuff, I mean I can always hook you up. Sweet. Yeah, always appreciated. <laughs> and yeah, I love your uh, your post because you always post your uh, your sweet mail days. I think uh, you just you just posted you got some uh, was it OG foil Japanese uh, aether vials? Yeah, those things. Uh, that's that's been like a three month, four month project. Um, but you know, with all these death and taxes decks doing pretty well and taking down uh, other parts of the metagame, I was like, all right, I guess it's time. I mean, it, they've. I, I do monitor a lot of the prices um, just to see what these staples are or what they're going for. And mm-hmm. I mean, I really do appreciate the the old uh, old frame or even just original borders. And I mean, with the Aether Vials themselves, it was just like, all right, this is a dark steel card. That is it over ten years old at, at least. Oh yeah, it's yeah, 15? 15, 15 years. <laughs> well, also they're they were uncommon back then, and. Right people just didn't keep their uncommons and stuff like they do now. Like I, I feel the whole idea of chase uncommons didn't really start back when dark steel was printed, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. Like I distinctly remember throwing away so many aether vials and oh, no. sensei's divining tops because it's just like, Oh, they're uncommons. They're not worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> the things we learned. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. But yeah, now it's like a forty dollar card. Sorry, Jerry. <laughs> and now the the I think the other vials are going to go up a bit more um, with people playing more goblins and people playing more uh, death and taxes with um, what's that sky skyclave apparition mm-hmm. being printed. 
and all these powerful cards that you can just dial in. And I mean, I lost to a Merfolk deck in Vintage the other day. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, yeah, and it was running vile. And uh, it, yeah, while well, it kind of sucked, but I was like, all right, vile is is going to be one of these staples for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to pick up the things that um, are going to help expand my range of play and. Um, over the over the last summer, I was putting together depths as well. So mm-hmm. this is before uh, Tom Hep was going on his crazy, I don't know, hundred and oh streak yeah. <laughs> of like rainbow depths. But yep, I, I was putting together bug depths and watching him do his thing. And um, even Michael Mapson, he was like also um, doing quite well with with uh, depths overall too. So mm-hmm. just watch these players and really wanted to learn the deck and understand its faults but also um that's how i learn as a player like you know where are the holes in these strategies and then when i'm playing delver i can actually just exploit a little bit more and uh you know make my grixis delver deck a little bit better mm-hmm. but, um yeah the 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 cards that i do pick up now are almost investing into just you know long-term collection that i appreciate these things and mm-hmm. Fortunately, when I came back to the game, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of vintage friends that, you know, wanted to hook me up with cards, so this is kind of my service back to them and all, all my friends that, you know, really do want to stick around uh, for the long haul and, you know, play vintage for, or even, like, legacy for, for the years to come. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about kind of prices in general, the market in general? Because there was always a huge worry People thought of like, oh, we're not going to be able to play. All of these cards are just going to crash in value. Everyone's going to sell out. You know, it's going to be the death of all of these collections. I mean, obviously, we saw that hasn't played out, and in fact, it it almost seems like the opposite has taken place. What what is your kind of uh, uh, you know perspective of how the market's doing right now? Well, let's just be real here. Prices are going insane. <laughs> 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 They're just freaking bonkers right now yeah. <laughs> um i i've only witnessed magic prices really dip once in my life and that was late 90s i don't know if you guys remember that at all just no. with uh i mean I, I was picking up magic when it was actually getting unpopular at the end of like end of ice age into alliances um i i felt like every every kid that was collecting baseball cards with me that gave it up for magic uh, is now going back to like something else like girls but like at least with magic cards they were the prices of like let's say a black lotus wasn't that great I mean it was like maybe 150 bucks or something which to prices nowadays where you know unlimited near mint is probably about close to 10k it's 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 almost unattainable but mm-hmm. um I, I started collecting more power in the early 2000s as, you know, trying to pin up my deck with a, a black border Mox as beat the crap Mox, Mox Ruby, but <laughs> at least it fit into my slide deck and, uh, you know, make it, made it all black bordered and I was really happy with it um, until I just got my butt handed to me by, you know, better decks out there. And, <laughs> you know, over the years, you, you watch the market just keep on growing and, you, you know, when I was taking a break between 2006 and 2012, people were pinging me, telling me that Underground Sea is now over a hundred dollars. I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> oh man, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's when I knew that Magic had taken like new heights, mm-hmm. and 
I, I was like, this is not sustainable, right? I mean, this this got to be a bubble. I mean, and it's and, been a bubble for twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a really really long bubble, um, and I don't think that uh, right now what we're seeing is going to pop. I mean, mm. this, this this is sustainable. I, I think it's the Bitcoin piece that you know. Uh, with Bitcoin surging and the previous time surging, I witnessed at uh, GP Vegas, I think 2017, there were buy listing, meaning vendors buying in underground seas at 650 and above. That's just ridiculous to me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, it, it went down a bit. Um, after that, I think there, with Bitcoin also um, entering kind of a recession there. But then, but right now we're seeing um, similar pricing for for underground season. Mm-hmm. This is a combination of stimulus checks, the little to no travel expenses, and a crunch in the perceived paper supply. Because mm-hmm. what what are we seeing? We're just only seeing eBay as well as Facebook listings and maybe TCG. Um, anything that's oh, like, mm-hmm. that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That without events, there are just less people buying and selling magic cards. So. Yep the volume is going to be low. And when volume is low, you really get these insane price spikes. That's, oh, that's, wow. You really opened my eyes to something right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I get asked this probably 10 times a day. So it's like, all right, well, <laughs> <laughs> I should have some kind of canned question or canned answer for you at this point. <laughs> but honestly, like, you know, there's, there's FOMO happening everywhere. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, it's feeding directly into those spikes and, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not up to speed on any of my reading videos, but at the same time, I, I do understand that, you know, he does speak some of the truths that are that are happening here, and we're seeing it now in sealed products. Um, and, I mean, I think someone just told me that they sold their sealed um, Ice Age box, booster box, for $1,000. And Holy crap. It just, it just boggles my mind because I'm like, I, don't, I would never pay that. <laughs> for an ice age box right yeah what are you gonna get maybe a jester's cap or a jester's mask <laughs> so yeah it it's funny you know do you bring up a good point i think i'm gonna start using magic as my guide to uh investing in bitcoin when i see magic prices start to spike it's uh it's a leading <laughs> indicator to get in on the bitcoin train <laughs> um but we've kind of also seen this in uh, Pokemon. The Pokemon market has been going crazy. That was my biggest shock when I went to go visit uh, Gaming Etc. Mm-hmm. For their, uh, for their, I think their New Year sales or something like that. It was uh, some guy came in like looking for Pokemon cards and just people are spending thousands of dollars on this Pokemon, Pokemon stuff like first huh. edition and all sorts of stuff. And I guess it's because like streamers got really into it. And they started streaming on like box openings on Twitch, hmm. and that just really triggered the nostalgia from all these people. But also with this pandemic, like people don't have the money to go out and you know go drinking, so they're uh-huh. going to put that money towards some other hobby, and then you know they get the nostalgia hit from Pokemon, so they get in on this. And now I think it's it's just bleeding over, like Roland was saying about FOMO. I think people are also just getting in on the magic market. Just collectibles in general are hot right now. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a uh... There's an Alpha Black Lotus listing right now that's over 300k, and it's it's an auction. So <laughs> I mean, you, you see the buy it now is at, at about 350k for um, you know an 8.5 or a nine, I think for Alpha Lotus, and 
Wow. Those might be outdated very soon. And I think that's that listing's ending this week. So it's going to be very interesting to see like what happens with that because you have cards like Charizard, a Pokemon, that were getting, what, 350k or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just very driven by what you know people were watching and consuming through the streamers. I forgot who it was. Was it like Paul Logan or something? Um, Logan mm-hmm. Paul. <laughs> I don't know who streamers. <laughs> I like Paul Logan better. <laughs> yeah, Paul Logan. Yeah, we'll go with that. But uh, yeah, the, these these kids are seeing that you know Pokemon still being played is still a fun game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, LGSs are selling out of their stuff. This is great for LGSs if they're you know able to that, keep it in stock. That that's what I was talking to uh, Michelle over at Gaming Etc. about. Is that she's like, you know, honestly, it's just a, a godsend because they don't really have much business right now. But all these people are coming in looking for these old Pokemon cards. And lots of LGSs just had Pokemon cards in like boxes in the back, and now all of a sudden those boxes are worth you know ten times more than they were pre-pandemic. That's crazy. Um, so it's just a nice kind of like you know income stream coming mm-hmm. in for sh- for shops. So I mean, hey, if it helps shops out, I'm all for it. And if it gets more people interested in uh, magic, that's even better because that's how I got into magic. I was you know I went from Pokemon to the Dragon Ball Z card game to the Lord of the Rings card game, and then my friends like, oh, let's try magic out, and you know I was hooked. <laughs> that's a it's a roundabout way to get to magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, what did you like about the other games? Well, Pokemon I never played. I just got that. I just collected it in elementary school. Oh, okay. And then I remember at summer camp, I got my collection stolen, including a first edition Charizard, which oh. really breaks my heart because that would be about a $300,000 card these what? days. <laughs> it's got stolen from me at summer camp. Um, and then I got to middle school and like Pokemon wasn't cool anymore. So I stopped that. But uh, like the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, I think, came out when I was in sixth grade. Which was cool. Which was cool. <laughs> Ladies. <laughs> it's still cool. Still cool. Uh, yeah. Still cool. Hey, I still have my uh, my replica one ring as well as my replica, uh, you know, Gandalf sword. <laughs> um. But yeah, the Lord of the Rings card game is actually a ton of fun and I wish more people still played it. I still have my Lord of the Rings decks actually mm-hmm. just cuz that game is fun. I mean, one of the decks was Hobbit Pipeweed and the entire ga- the entire deck was just smoking your way to eyes to uh to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh that was a great archetype. Um Was there so one that was, was Eagles? Cuz no, Eagles just solves everything, right? No, oh man, we are we gonna have to go through this? Eagles? No, they cannot just take the eagles to Mordor. Roland, he has a giant eye that sees everything. He's just gonna see the eagles and just use a surface-to-air missile and stinger launcher and just knock them out of the sky. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, that's why I understand now. <laughs> that's why. That's why. Um, but yeah, the uh, highly recommend the Lord of the Rings trading card game to people who are looking for a new, new game to get into. Cause you can buy booster boxes for like $30 on eBay. It's awesome. <laughs> like, can you imagine if you just go like, man, I really loved onslaught. Oh, look here. I'll just go on eBay and buy a booster box of onslaught for 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, so the Lord of the Rings card game was awesome. And then I think magic just was more tactical. It was more strategy. Like the Lord of the Rings card game had lots of like betting mechanics and it was a bit more luck based and like it basically the way it worked was instead of having mana as a resource, uh, you had a good deck and a bad deck (laughs) and, your the amount of mana you could spend each turn was dependent on what your opponent did during their turn. So if your opponent was just a jerk and didn't do anything and you had like a really expensive deck, you just sat there and couldn't do anything because your opponent just didn't do anything on their turn. <laughs> so it just led to some kind of like sometimes really boring games if people weren't like you had a want to have fun to have fun with the deck. <laughs> like ma- some magic players would not be able to play the Lord of the Rings card game because they would just like just absolutely troll their opponent out of existence. <laughs> then rage quit. <laughs> then rage quit. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I got into magic from there. Pat, how'd you get into magic? So that's a good question. Um, I started playing back in, uh, 1990, probably seven ninety eight. I think Tempest was the first block uh, the first set that like came out, um, that I was, that was like new when I, when I first got into the game and I, yeah, I can't, but- what's that? Why? Why did? Why did you like start? Like, what made you go? Like, so, I'm going to buy this this Tempest booster. Th- that's pack. that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to remember. I, I remember that my friend, uh, my buddy Joel, had a like a bag of like a bag of magic cards, like a Ziploc bag of magic cards <laughs> he brought to Tupper Park during summer camp. And then I think that following fall, my my best friend Eric, who we hung out with, him and I were like, you know just like super tight up until we graduated. So we had a, a long friendship and I think, I don't remember if he had introduced me to it or if, I think it might've been with him. I I, remember, I definitely remember that like our first couple years of playing was just him and I jamming decks together. Um, but I, and I think he introduced me to the game, but that's a great question. I, I, my memory of it is a little bit hazy just because I was so young when it happened. I think I got probably got into magic when I was in, fifth grade or sixth grade something like that i guess that's probably about 98 for me so yeah awesome that was a good set grabbing note back yeah yeah oh yeah, it was it was cool like i thought the, the shadow creatures were really neat and um the like the, the some of the tempest like um artwork for the lands are still like some of my favorite artwork uh for any basics um but uh but yeah and then i got then then we bought a bunch of ice age even though that was a previous set but it was it was fairly inexpensive so we bought a bunch of ice age and it was just, you know, from there on out, it was just, uh, we, we would buy every new set. Him and I would usually, like, we'd work our part-time jobs, and then we'd split a booster box, which, was, like, in retrospect, I, I'm so bummed about how much money I spent cracking packs when, like, I really could have just bought the singles that I wanted. But I remember being a child and looking at me like, that thing's like $5. I'm not paying $5 for that. I'm just going to buy 30 packs till I find it. Maybe. Or cards. <laughs> Quantity over quality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to be I mean, fair, packs were like 2 bucks a pack back then. Yeah. I mean, and they're, yeah, they're nice. obviously super fun to break. I think we used to be able to get a, like a booster for like maybe $70 was a booster box. Um, yeah, that's, that's about right. Yeah. I, I remember that when I started. Like, I remember getting boxes of like, uh, Onslaught, Mirrodin for like 70, 80 bucks for a booster box. Yeah, because you'd like pre order and it would be cheaper, like, like 10, 15 bucks or something. Oh, yeah, you would like pre order and it would be like a booster box and it would come with like a fat pack for like 80 bucks or something like that. Amazing. Yeah, I used to save lunch money 
<laughs> like, <laughs> just like eat fries for lunch and then just like save the rest of it at the end of like what two three months time you have enough for a booster box that's awesome <laughs> yeah, and, for, and it was like 65 dollars yeah. but uh, anything that i could scrounge up together and uh that's how i got my boxes and um it was, your mom would your mom would be pissed if she found out you were eating nothing but French fries for lunch. <laughs> hey, there's there's mustard and ketchup. You know those are those are some vitamins and minerals and shit, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, that actually my parents didn't know about um, much of the magic stuff that I was buying because I was always just driving into. Uh, eventually, I was driving into uh, Medina Square back in Northeast Ohio. And uh, I would place my order or call up and place my pre-order. But um, my parents didn't really want me to play Magic. Mm-hmm. And they wanted, you know, just me to be a good student, to go do my homework, <laughs> do my Chinese homework as well from mm-hmm. Chinese school on Saturdays. And almost not really have a life. But, you know, Magic kept me sane in the sense of, you know, there's this whole other world that people don't really know about. You know, mm-hmm. there's... There's this whole other world of what twelve, thirteen thousand different cards that are um, you can really have cool strategies and have really unique experiences with other players. And while I didn't really have a lot of other playing partners at the time, um, my brother and I would just you know we would stay up till what uh, midnight sometimes and just uh, play with like very few lights on and uh, play into the dark. And yeah, um, my parents didn't, they never understood it until I like showed them. All right, tournament results. <laughs> this yeah. is this is worth my time, damn it. Oh, oh you can make it competitive? Yes. <laughs> yes. This, does this make money? Oh, good, good, good. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so nowadays, you know, I, you know, going back to the, the MTG Finance stuff, like it's honestly, like it, when I tell them that I can actually travel because of this game mm. and also, you know, meet more people that are important in my life, like I, I they love it. They, mm-hmm. they actually embrace it now. But, you know, the, what, 15, 16-year-old me that was trying to explain to them that this was worth my time? No, just, <laughs> there's no possible way that this was worth my time. <laughs> uh, that just reminds me of all the, like, the Twitch streamer, like the 16-year-old, like, Twitch streamer who's like, I, Mom, Dad, I'm going to drop out of school and be a full-time video game uh, player. And they're like, no, you're crazy. And he's like, oh, I just got my check from Twitch. They paid me $100,000 this month. Yep, and yep. the parents are just like, oh, okay, well, we'll file the paperwork with the school. That's like, uh, that's like you know, when you were a kid and, and uh, people were like, oh, well, you're not going to be paid to play video games all day. It's like, And then the, the comeback to that was like, oh, you can be a game developer and like you get paid to actually make video games. But no, now the comeback to that is like, no, 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 you can actually make a lot of money only playing video games is just well, wild I, to me. I, I was kind of saddened and shocked and not too surprised that all rolled into one, but uh, apparently they asked a, um, a bunch of like high school, middle school students and like for ages like 13 to 16, the number one response for what do you want to be when you grow up is a video blogger, oh, which is what they rolled like Twitch and YouTube and all of that oh. into. <laughs> so it's like people like people don't want to be doctors or lawyers. They don't even want to be like rappers or athletes. Now these days they want to be vloggers. Yeah, is that's, the, like, that's kind of wild that, that it's, you know, even my even my son Liam, he's nine. He like he has like a Amazon like a, like a Kindle or whatever, and he'll watch like uh, this guy Zebra Gamer, who's like a Twitch streamer. He plays like kid games, like Lego Lego games and Minecraft and stuff, and 
and they like love watching him and I'm like I don't why do you like watching this I don't understand I still don't get it like I don't understand the the fad of or the 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 enjoyment of watching other people play video games but it's well, very it's same real. as do you watch do you watch football every Sunday Pat yeah, but that's very different. It, that's, that's extremely. Go on. Different. How is that very different? How is that? How, wait, different? are you asking me how watching like fit like uh, a set of like you know fifty three man rosters like that are localized to you play against another fifty three man roster of all these individual players? Like you're talking about like hundreds and hundreds of players versus like one person streaming. Wow. The- like, I don't want to watch of, Tom Smiley pay, play WoW, Jerry. I just don't. Well, the thing is, Pat, that per- person playing WoW is playing with thousands of players, so they, they trump your your numbers argument here. Like, I don't understand how the number of people on a team no, has no. any bearing on, so, like, watching, watching, like, streamers. I'm saying watching like, a football game is extremely different than watching a, a Twitch streamer. That that's in, in what in what way? I mean, I can't even believe I'm having this conversation. I, like, like <laughs> if you if you can't if you can't perceive the difference between watching someone play League of Legends and watching like a basketball professional basketball game or a professional football game, if you can't understand the difference of that, then I, I we're like on different. Well, what what define the term? Like what what how is it is it is are you saying like one is a sport and one is is not a sport? Are you saying a thousand percent? A thousand percent. So what what makes it what makes a sport? Just the fact that it's what? Like what what makes it a sport? Is it is it the money? Because like League of Legends makes more than the NBA. It's not the money. No, no, no. It's not the money. Because like there's plenty of sports out there where you don't make a lot of money to play. You know? Okay. So is golf a sport? Like where I'm like, where's the line? Like this is what I'm trying to They are they I definitely so I Yeah, I'm gonna say golf is yes. I'm gonna say yes. Golf right, is a about, sport. What about like why? Why is golf a sport and like legal? I think anything it? that I think any sport that requires anything that requires you to be an athlete. And if I have to define what an athlete is, if you're like an so athlete, you're, t- you're telling me, you're telling me like Tom. You're fast. telling me Tom Palmer. Tom Palmer is a who's or who's the or Arnold Palmer. Sorry, or uh, yeah, okay. Or, uh, who's, the, who's, the, who's the diabetes? <laughs> Was that like a Tom Collins? <laughs> yeah. and- Jim who's Woods, the, yeah, who's the diabetes guy? I'm I'm Jim Woods, and I'm diabetes. <laughs> are you telling me those guys are athletes? That they're they're athletes, and that's why why golf is a sport. Yeah, I think that <laughs> you're gonna look me straight in the face and tell me diabetes guy is an athlete, but the League of Legends player isn't. <laughs> yeah, because because the guy who, the guys the guy who's because I think I think and I'm being serious right now. I think like. When you comes to when it comes to the term athlete, that that is about being able to to move your body in a way that is like you know these players not these nec- players literally have like six hundred actions per minute like superhuman reaction speeds. How is that? All right, Jerry. Then why don't you go watch a fucking court stenographer? I don't know what to tell <laughs> you, man. Like, yeah, if, like, there, if there was a super- competition for court stenographers, I bet you there would be people watching it. <laughs> Put it on stream on Twitch. It would probably get like a hundred street people viewers. <laughs> look, man. Look, man. Like. If you put up, if you put up, I don't know who's a who's a who's an impressive uh, uh, t- uh, streamer, Jerry. Who's a really gr- great League of Legends streamer or whatever? Yeah, I don't watch League of Legends streams. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the fuck, I don't care. Any any like Twitch streamer, you put any Twitch streamer, and you're like, oh, this is person person as an athlete, and you put them next to like the like diabetes LeBron guy, James. the diabetes guy who you say is an athlete. <laughs> First of all, it's Wilford Brimley, and he's not a professional golfer; he's an actor. So <laughs> okay, or the Arnold Palmer guy, Arnold Palmer, in his or yeah, Donald Trump. Yeah. Donald Trump is a golfer. Is he an he's not a professional golfer. Right, he's not a professional golfer. 
That's like that's like saying like okay, okay, you all fair, you fair. like play you play you play fucking shirts and skins yeah, in the fair, you play fair, a, fair, basketball. Fair. It doesn't make you a yeah, basketball fair, player. Fair, <laughs> but still, like, all right, what about NASCAR? Are you saying are these NASCAR a sport? Mm. It's a racing sport. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting, right? Because because it is extremely physical. Like a yeah, a NASCAR driver is extre- It's an extremely it's physical a mix uh, sport. Of physical and mental. I mean, you have to like have yeah. that drive. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, which, just is, like, yeah. which is also video game streamers. They have workout regimes. They have endurance tests. Like, I think if you're going to make this argument, Pat, you need to have some clear cut definitions of what is and isn't a sport. And I don't think what you're saying is or isn't a sport meets your own definitions. Pat's just rolling his eyes Jerry, at me right now. Jerry, <laughs> all, I'm actually just, just blinking very slowly. <laughs> Jerry. Honestly, like if you can't see the difference between someone like Ninja and then someone like like an actual athlete, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, but what's an we're actual athlete? Like, I want to know here. where the line is. Like, you, where if is you are line? if you are playing if you are playing a video game for that's not a sport. That is a form of entertainment for other people. Like, sports sports entertainment and sports are different are different things. Wait, what about right? chess? Like, Would you consider chess a sport? No, you wouldn't consider chess a sport. Absolutely not. Even though it was in the Olympics. I don't care what's in the Olympics. <laughs> fucking fucking curling's in the Olympics. Be, yeah, Olympics. so you don't yeah, you don't think like, curling's a sport? Yeah, like I feel Pat's definition of what a sport is what Pat personally agrees with. If it has the Pat seal of approval, it's a sport because there's no actual I mean, definition for Pat. <laughs> um, no, I, I I mean I laugh at curling because it, it's such a silly sport, but I think curling's more of a sport than playing WoW or League of Legends. <laughs> Pat, you're boomers. You still have to listen. Listen. Because in, in, in at the end of the day, a lot of those people who play those who play those games who are like you know, whatever, couldn't get up on the ice on a pair of skates anyway. Like they so? couldn't do that. Like <laughs> does can, does Michael Jordan have to now be an expert figure skater in order to be a good basketball? First player? First of all, you don't you don't, you can't just call up Michael Jordan and not being good at something because he will find you and he will be. Better <laughs> yeah, that's very, probably a bad example. of Michael Jordan watching probably, the Jordan doc. Yeah, that's all I know. Can, about he's him probably is that he a great, will find people who t- he's probably yeah. a great ice skater for all I know. But still, like <laughs> that's just still so arbitrary. Like these people are in good shape. They have to put no. In, what no, do you mean no? no. Mental shape. No. No. No, look there it Jerry, we, we like being an athlete is is it's mental, it's physical. It, which there, these, you do which these that, professional gamers actually do. Jerry, I'm so f- close to like <laughs> just, like <laughs> shutting it like delete not, not only ending wrote, this call, <laughs> but deleting my recording as well. So this never sees the light. Well, what's your opinion? What where do you fall on this? I'm sorry, Pat. I gotta go with Jerry on this only because I've actually been seeing a lot of other you know, ex-professional athletes invest into e-gaming. And esports is, honestly, it is, you know, it's hard to believe. But, you know, when we're talking about APM, and some a term that I didn't actually really know what that really meant until recently, of uh, just watching another Magic streamer do it, um, like 400 APM, just being able to make all those split-second decisions, I mean, I as a tennis player, I see and view... Um, Magic as another form of this strategy game, right? That mm-hmm. like tennis to me is like you know being able to put your opponent out of position, basically eliminating resources so that you can actually you know hit a winner down the line where it's more optimal. And you're playing the optimal play to sequence it, and it's a very similar thing. But the only difference there is that like your physical um, physical actions in tennis require a lot more training physically, whereas like um, your mental aptitude and mental sh- sharpness just always has to be there for both sides. And, I mean, 
an NBA, um, ex-NBA player, Rick Fox, I believe, um, mm -hmm. like he invested in so many millions of dollars into starting his own sponsored team. And I mean, seeing him at, at, at week, um, one of the conferences I've, I've gone to and like help have him explain why he actually invested into it and why League of Legends is actually taking off. I mean, he trains those, those players as if they are like professionals and like making sure that their diet is right, their, um, their regimen, their sleeping and like, you know, eating right. Um, I mean, all these things are super important for just being sharp. I mean, on any given day to do your job, I mean, it's not a sport, but necessarily, but it's, it can, you know, you can be altered slightly just by little deviations from your routine. And I mean, ask Michael Phelps. I mean, if he's, you know, did he eat his three foot long subs like for, for dinner? I mean, that could impact his next day. So mm -hmm. um, I, I see Jerry's point and I, I get it as a traditionalist. Like I, <laughs> it took me a little while to actually really appreciate the, uh, you know, these games being considered a sport, but I mean, I, I watched my bro my own brother actually uh, kind of climb the ranks of um, being a professional gamer of sorts. And mm -hmm. while it wasn't the right time, he went into game development and like watched him like do something really cool with the gaming side. It was it, it was turning into a sport because you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people going into arenas to watch this stuff. And I mean, yeah, sure, they're behind like big um, monitors or just their even their own like little monitors, but people are commentating on this stuff and like the, the sequence and actions of play. I mean, that's just like how, you know, a John McEnroe is going to be calling the, um, the plays that are happening inside of, you know, a U.S. Open match. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the way I see it. Right? I guess I just take umbrage with like calling, calling someone an athlete when then what they're doing is not an athletic endeavor. By I, your I definition. Don't, I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I don't disagree that like there's a ton of money in it. There's a ton of money invested into it. It's uh, it's absolutely entertainment. It's absolutely, you know, it, I think I think Wait. another reason why kids like it so much is that it takes a lot. Le like if you watch like the NBA for you to go out and like pick up a basketball and like join a team is a lot of effort and it takes it takes a lot of effort. And you have to go out on quite a quite a limb to like to like join like a, a rec league. Right. Versus like if I'm I don't know, watching someone play Eve and I'm like, oh, I, I want to play this too. It like the the buy-in for that is so much lower. Oh, uh, you're, like, so, um, like, like you're a, saying socially. because it's harder to go down to the Y and sign up for a pickup basketball game than it is to turn your computer on and as play a kid. A I'm saying like as a kid. What, what? Like if you're eight, you're, if Matt, you're eight years on. old, this is this if you're is so if you're eight years old. What's what's and and if you're eight years old and you're like oh like so you're, you know you have an eight year old you have an eight year old Pat you're saying you're eight year old I have an eight, yeah I have an eight, he's nine he's yes, nine. he was eight of one so point. he doesn't play any sports he doesn't play football and he doesn't play. oh he does play sports oh. because I'm a good parent because oh, he signed him up for that because I'm a good parent yeah <laughs> so what how are you saying that that's any different than that 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 makes it somehow harder than someone playing a video game how is how is that I, harder how is it harder. How is it harder, for Jerry? Your son? Are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> Am I? Like, I, I get that you like to play like the devil's advocate, but if you're like, what's harder, playing football or playing a video game? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, how are we even talking the same language right now, Jerry? When you're saying you're, you were saying ease of access. What's harder, playing football or playing a video game? As far as ease of access, I don't honestly don't see much difference. Ease of access there. 
Because when you have to like leave your house and go down to the field to play, like how is how that's more difficult? <laughs> Roland, am I taking crazy pills here? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get it. I understand. You know, Pat's comparison between the two and the the amount of physical. I think what Pat respects in the sport is the amount of physical energy that is exerted, or even like the coordination of strategy between multiple players, multiple athletes. And that, that is something that cannot be necessarily always replicated within video games. So then, so then golf isn't a sport. Is that what, is that what we're saying? Golf isn't a sport, Pat? You don't think, all right. <sighs> <laughs> because the most difficult part Jerry, of, of golf is having it, it, a membership. You ever hear, you ever hear the definition of pornography is like, I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> all right. I can't. Maybe I can't right now, Jerry, in my current state, define to you what an athlete is, and and you couldn't either. But I guarantee, I guarantee that universally, universally, not even in the United States, anywhere, <laughs> if you put someone who plays sixty hours, seventy hours, eighty hours a week of WoW, and you put them, if they can stand standing next to someone who's actually like an athlete, even like a former high school athlete, and you look at those two people, and you're like. Which one's the athlete? I'm going to say 10 times out of 10, it's the dude with the bear belly. People go, oh, yeah, he was a former athlete. Like, this guy's not an athlete. Oh, this guy who has, like, a bandage on his – he has, like, a wrist support because his mouth – I think Pat's his mouth hand per- gets worn out I think clicking Pat's too much. Perception. Jerry, when I think of, when I think of esports, all I think of is the guy from that WoW episode yeah, that, that's, that's of South Park. That, Pat, you're such a boomer that you just have the stereotypical <laughs> – image of your head and if it doesn't conform to your stereotypical image it doesn't exist and you're like it do- nope it's either my brain that, rejects it's either it. that or there's an old like meme of these uh like i, I think again i keep saying league of Le- like league of legends because that's the only like esport yeah, but Pat, if you that look, i know if you look at professional league of legends league of legends players they're all yeah. like uh like super lean korean players. oh okay hold on hold <laughs> on Bet. hold on jerry <laughs> I'm gonna show you this intro I saw of these League of Legends guys from like ten years ago, and they'll come out. And they're like, they're, it's like I got. Oh, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> continue the continue with whatever you're talking about. I'm just gonna blow up your spot. Well, okay, I googled athlete just for us uh, for this argument here. A, a person who is proficient in sports and other forms of physical exercise. So Pat's right. It's it's an athlete is someone that has physical prowess. So I'm arguing that. Because actions per minute, like you said, APM is so important for professional gamers that that is a physical interaction. They have to be physically able to have these lightning quick reflexes and interact with the with the keyboard in a way that sets them apart from just your average person. And like you said, they have training regimes, they have you know meal plans, they have all of this to make sure that their bodies are in peak, peak uh, physical shape. <laughs> like, uh, well, uh, I just, I, I'm sorry, I just, I don't, I just don't think that making sure your players didn't drink too much code red today means they're in peak <laughs> physical shape. You don't have any actual arguments, Pat. They're all just ad hominem attacks of your stereotypical view of what what goes on in these in these endeavors. I think if you would put professional gamers in front of you right now they would be insulted with how little credit you give them that and you know what i wouldn't have anything to fear because they're professional gamers and what are they gonna do like <laughs> poke me in the thigh i'm not really worried about it jerry yeah, well, I mean, we live in a civilization pat where they wouldn't be able to do anything anyways regardless <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i'm i'm uh, i'm a uh i'm a 
Yeah, I'm a free citizen. Is that what it's called? A sovereign <laughs> citizen. Sovereign citizen. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what it is. Jesus Christ. So actually, <laughs> oh, there, so there was good. this past fall. Um, I think a race was done and streamed on uh, that was live on ESPN. Mm-hmm. But the racers were doing it in cars that were not actual uh, race cars. They were doing it through like online stuff. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so is that a sport, Pat? Blurring the lines. No. <laughs> How is that no. any different from an because, actual NASCAR? Because, so an actual NASCAR person, so, it is a sport. So, but if you're driving yes. a, a simulation in all the same exact experiences, you're still. It's not the same exact experience. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not, you don't have like the G's in your body. You don't have uh, like the actual threat of imminent death, like at all times. That's part of the sport. You don't have like the massive <laughs> so amount of be- heat that comes off so the engine block that like. You can't die. Let, let me I'm, not I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done, Jerry. I'm not done. Okay. You can, the, the Pat, you can die from an aneurysm. Let, let me finish. You, you don't even let listen, me finish talking. You, 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 you can die you from an aneurysm. Let me just get this things. point. In. Let me just get this point. In. You can die of an aneurysm at any time. So technically, the threat of imminent death is present in all sports. <laughs> <laughs> so that point is moot. What I'm saying is that's a major stressor uh, when you're as a as a NASCAR yeah, driver. I'm like really worried about like aneurysms at all times. I'm really worried. That's a major stressor in my life. <laughs> Okay, well, for for some, yes, Jerry, for sure. Um, also, like the like actual the the physical um, action of like holding the car out of the corners and pulling it up, like that is like that takes a ton of physical energy. Not only that, but like the amount of heat that pours. Off. And I don't even like NASCAR, so I don't even like the sport at all. What, I think it's what, super but they, boring but to they watch. Have the the simulator booths where they in, induce the G's, and you know, it's a tilt. No, they don't. Yes, they, don't. they do. They, they do not. Yes, they do. These ben. guys are not playing. These guys are not. They, I'm sorry, but their Mad Cats remotes are not going to make them pull on the wheel with 60 pounds of force just to make a turn. It's just not going to happen, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, so what? It, so we we have like a matrix like scenario, Pat. So we have like the perfected virtual reality. So it's like the matrix, and you're plugged in, and you do a race in that. Is that not a sport? The fuck are you talking about, Jerry? Like I just like like where where is the line, Pat? Like where is it where it's like oh this isn't realistic enough, so it doesn't count. Like but let's say let's say it's not that it's not realistic. Are... It's like it's like chess isn't a sport. Why isn't chess a sport? I just want you to define. I'm gonna say, these. I'm gonna say something. Want- I'm gonna say something. I'm going to say something that's gonna get me banned from the Facebook page <laughs> and from podcasting. So I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it, Jerry. But I'm. <gasps> you should. No, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. Uh, okay. All right. All right, Roland. What's what's your point of view on this? <laughs> <laughs> I I respect all athletes and also gamers. I I wouldn't. I, I see them as different. The way that like you know, there's physical gamers and then there's the mm-hmm. art physical athletes and then there's like the mental athletes as well. So I would say you know that chess to me is not a sport. It just just does not feel like it would require the physical strength to move chess pieces mm-hmm. around or like you know the the ability to think that uh think through those strategies and um i mean i'm not a chess player so uh i probably sound really stupid talking about it right now but the that's how i sound all the time yeah, <laughs> but you know honestly the, i get like where you're coming from pat and like i really do think that, that you I know the, it that these sports it's it's evolving like the definition of sport overall. And I just enjoy competition. 
I think that's the that's the bottom line for things that I do appreciate in seeing played at at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I will always appreciate you know the Roger Federer's of the world, but I also appreciate when you know LSV is drafting through and doing like the, the vintage cube picks, and he has perfect lines and perfect mm-hmm. you know logic through that. So, I I mean those to me are like equal in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, like I said, I just take umbrage with calling it. I have no issue with people who play games for a profession. I think that's fantastic that they're able to make that, make that happen. And I, I, it's a, it's amazing to me the amount of money that's in the market. It makes me feel like there's no way it's sustainable, but I'm proved wrong year after year. So what do I know? Um, I just take, I just take in, issue with calling them athletes, call them what, call them, you know, athletes, whatever you want to call them. But like, athletics has like you know it's it's is baseball that's just that's just not being an athlete it's just not does like, does baseball have athletes is baseball a sport pat a thousand percent yeah so you're telling me babe ruth was an athlete he's a big one <laughs> he was he was a big boy he babe ruth yeah. was a big boy so is so warren sapp you would never could not call him an athlete <sighs> i just uh, like i i i just want you to put like actual definitions on these terms because they seem to be very very goalposty and you should be able to do something with your body that like that takes a ton of physical conditioning to do oh yeah like like and like like, do it at a high and do it at a high level yeah like like 600 actions per minute like that something like that (laughs) no because that that's it's not the so so angry right now (laughs) no i'm not angry i'm just saying like I'm, i'm just saying that like what that is just that's just not an athletic pursuit. It's just not. If you can't, if you want to mince hairs and be like, well, you have to. If everything for you is about relativism, then I don't know what to tell you, man. But like, there are some things that are absolute, and like a person who sits down for a living and plays a video game, that's not an athlete. It's something else, and it's great, and it's awesome. I'm glad people do it, but that's not being an athlete. Well, the reason why this matters is because let's say you want to travel to a different country and you need to get an athlete's visa to travel to that other country. Should, should they be able hey, to? Hey, Jerry, I visas? found those intros. It starts at 440. They're Overwatch players. That's what it is. Overwatch. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it starts at 440. I'm sending it to you in the chat. Oh, boy. I'm just going to say when you talk about athletes, Jerry, okay? I mean, I could say. These, these are your athletes. Start at, four, start at like four minutes and 40 seconds. I can send you plenty of images bad of just overweight baseball players. And I, that's I, I, It's in the chat. Start at like 440. It's a guy talking. These are your athletes, Jerry. You fucking kidding me? Are you watching this, Jerry? I just put it on. I just put it on. <laughs> these are your athletes, Jerry. Pat, I'm gonna send you pictures of just baseball players. Who Jerry, these are your athletes, Jerry. These guys. Oh, one guy did. The, one guy did the throat slice. <laughs> one guy did the throat slice. That was pretty good. Pat, I don't know. Honestly, these people don't look that bad. I don't know what you're. Pat, you're just body shaming at this point. You can't call them athletes, Jerry. I They're just totally not athletes. Call them athletes with a straight face. Looking at that, and you're gonna look at me, look at me and tell me like fucking bro, Arnold if Palmer. You these, is an if you watch these intros, you watch these intros. This these Overwatch intros, and you tell me these guys are athletes, you're just lying to yourself. Yo, you're just you won't. You're just again, lost in the sauce, again, Jerry. The definition is what Pat says it is, and that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, you're coming to me for the definitions. So I don't know what to tell you, man. You don't like it. That's your problem, not mine. It's a you problem. Oh, man. I just love that history will prove Pat wrong. <laughs> you're going to be on the wrong oh, side. Oh, that these of- people will be called athletes one day? You're going to be on the wrong side of history, Pat. Yeah, I hope I hope that one day when they, uh, in, in 20, 2070, 
when they need assistance to walk up to the top of the podium at the Olympic Games uh, because you know their their legs are just too weak from sitting in a gaming chair all day. They don't know they don't know how to get it to the top of a podium. Oh my god! Uh, and they need assistance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I hope that the the metal net the fucking gold medal around their neck doesn't pull them down <laughs> to the ground and crush them under its weight of like three pounds. Oh, so those are our athletes, Jerry. I salute them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's all we have time for for uh, Boomer Corner with Pat, <laughs> <laughs> Mister Boomer's neighborhood. <laughs> Someone's got to do the artwork for the Facebook page, please. Thank you. Oh man! All right, well, it's gonna be me in a Mister Rogers sweater putting cleats on when I get in my house. <laughs> Instead of taking my sneakers off. Yeah, instead of carpet, you just have AstroTurf. Along. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. All right. Roland, it's okay. You can call me the uh, the winner now, and we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already sided with you on it, so <laughs> it's two to one. That's all I need. That's all I need. Validation. Validation. Oh. I, too, am a competitor. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, the athlete. Here comes the oh, memes. Lovely. <laughs> you know it's real when there's yeah. I mean, yeah. meme yep. meme making is definitely a sport. Like un- un- <laughs> unquestionable. <laughs> uh, uh, that's and that's fantastic. Devils advocating all the greatest sports of our generation. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, do you want to wrap it up, Jerry? Yeah. There were there were a couple other Kelton spoilers, but I don't think there was anything super interesting. Hmm. Have you played the set at all? Is it out to draft yet? No, it's not out to draft yet. At least I think it comes out later this week. Oh, okay. I might try to draft that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, I like I like Vikings. So I'll get a set yeah. tomorrow. It's when sets like this come back come out. It really makes me uh, miss block constructed because I felt block constructed hmm. was like the most flavorful way to really enjoy a set. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh well. They kind of do that now with like booster box, like where you get to do like take a booster box and like split it with someone, then make make like a league deck with them and stuff. Yeah, you can't really do that on Magic Online. Like Magic Online doesn't. True. I think I, they might have done that at one point, but it is definitely yeah. not something that's commonly available. Magic yeah, Online. yeah, that's like a you know. I just I'm I'm I can't wait to get back to the LGS man. That's all I want. Hell, back to in store gaming. One hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, uh, rolling anything you wanted to let people know about, you got any projects coming up or anything like that? Uh, not a ton right now. I, I'd say that, you know, nineties FTG has, has been able to still pump out a bunch of, you know, good content, just paper play. And I'm, I'm really trying to, um, really bridge that gap of where paper play is versus, you know, what we're seeing online. And I think the, the differences in the med games are are closing in, so I mean I, I hope that um, you know the stuff that we're seeing on '90s MTG. Well, there's open decklists. That's another thing, actually. Open decklists screw up the entire <laughs> game to me. It's like people. <laughs> I mean, you guys have played like either with open decklists elsewhere, right? Like, on mm-hmm. Mythic yep. Society or um, MTG Melee, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and it's. <sighs> It throws you off, I think, and yeah. that's probably the the main key differences like uh, that I've seen from paper to um, some online play. I mean, there there are other online tournaments that I've seen that are also open decklists, and that that also th- throws me off. I don't really want that in paper play when we get back to it, but mm-hmm. 
I could see why, you know, people just appreciate like more clarity to it and there's no like surprises, but you know, Stifle's one of my favorite cards of all time. And Stifle decks don't work when you know there's a Stifle coming. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm definitely yeah. Not not really looking forward to seeing more of that open play. But you know, overall, just content wise, you know, I I'm not sure if we're doing poops and scoops, but <laughs> Yeah, go for it. You, you know, poops on open decks, but scoops on all of the content creators that are out there that are, you know, posting up their stuff and sharing during this time because you know, without it, the day is pretty damn boring. And um, I, I do appreciate uh, you know the, the streamers that are, and I have a really newfound appreciation for that. I mean, Honor are doing it for so long now. I don't know, what's this streak like a year by now? It's just constantly going out there grinding, and you have like new um, new streamers constantly, you know, also adding into the mix their their own voice. And I think that's really important because you see some specialists really do their thing, and um, now being part of like more actively in the MTGO scene, I, I'm really witnessing some of that talent, and uh, it's really cool to see. When I, mean, I, I let Justin Gennari do two tur- two turn kills on me earlier today because I just wanted to see what the heck he was going to do, and then next mm-hmm. thing I know, I like he's time walking like three times, and you know a mentor army of monks that are going to do like 500 damage. Like I didn't even know that was possible, but um, you know, it that is that type of stuff that I'm really appreciating right now, and I uh, can't wait to to see it on paper. Nice, sick, awesome. What about any poops? Oh, well, you said open deck list. Yeah, oh, open yeah, deck that's list. Right. Sorry, eight those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my brain didn't didn't uh, process that because I actually do really like open deck lists. I, I love it. <laughs> I feel it, it's definitely a different game, but I feel it, it adds a different level of strategy, which I find fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's more uh, more chess and less poker. <laughs> what about you, Pat? You got poops and scoops. Uh, I'm just gonna scoop in, uh, scoop in all the Leave the Legacy people, man. Um, yeah, well, obviously it wasn't on last week, and I think we skipped the week before, so it's been a few weeks since I've gotten a chance to record, and I'm happy to be back with y'all. And uh, and yeah, just gonna scoop in, scoop in Roland and Jerry. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, Roland. And uh, yeah, I got no poops, man. We're in a new year. New year, 20, 2021 is looking pretty good. Tom Brady's back in the Super Bowl, so I'm happy to see that. And uh, can I just you know, point a bunch out- of athletes? All all these New England people I know are just like all pumped because like oh yeah Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl our boy Dude, our I, he's, listen he's not our boy anymore Pat he does not yeah. he does not play for the Patriots it, but it doesn't matter it, I still love the I still love the guy as an as as a quarterback I I love him man I'm happy to see him doing well it's not like he didn't he didn't take the place of the Patriots wait, he's in the NFC man I have one more question for you Pat is uh is the guy who gets in like the gritty mascot uniform is he an athlete no. <laughs> But he's doing all what, sorts what? of like physical exertion while wearing a really big uh, stuffy suit. He's doing like backflips and you know jumping jacks. He's not an athlete because they don't test him for PEDs. But they do. You, you, they you do know test Gritty's. You know Gritty's doing some high grade <laughs> cocaine, Jerry. <laughs> You've seen that guy's eyes. Just Gritty's. Because, Gritty's. Uh, yeah, they're, they're actually juice, testing him bro. to make sure he's taking it. <laughs> Gritty, Gritty, your levels Gritty, are a little low this this Gritty week. pulls the graveyard shift in LaGuardia doing all the drug sniffing, man. <laughs> Gritty, you're, Gritty, your uh, your levels are a little low this week. We're gonna need you to bump it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Gritty, you were a little disappointed. We're a little disappointed. Oh my.
my god. Uh, all right. Gritty's got to be one of the top five mascots of all time. I think Gritty's Just more of an athlete than most like, athletes. The insane <laughs> look in that creature's eyes. Like, how did that pass? Like, have you that seen is like a, a that's big... like a puppeteer's nightmare, have you right? Seen... Like, like that. <laughs> Have, That's the face you see in the darkness before you die. Have you seen Gritty in a bikini? <laughs> Gritty bikini. Hold on. Oh, I'll send you the link. Pause. I'll send you the oh, link. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Gritty wow. in a bikini, man. <laughs> Gritty's seen some stuff, man. <laughs> Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, man. Oh, man. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. It's disturbing. <laughs> it's those eyes, dude. It's those eyes and the open mouth. <laughs> it's horrifying. Uh, Patriotic. Yeah. <laughs> Gritty is oh, a gritty so is good. a great athlete, and anyone who says if, otherwise, that's, gritty is like the like twenty twenty embodied in a, in a being. Oh my god! I just I'm reading the headlines. Meet Gritney, the sexy female gritty no one asked for. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's the best thing ever. That's awesome! It's so awesome! <laughs> Oh, that's great. How about you, Jerry? Any scoops and poops this week besides Gritney? Uh, my scoop is uh, Gritney for sure. Thank yep. you, Gritney, for existing. And my poop is Gritney. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you for your service. My poop is also Gritney because of the nightmare fuel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Oh, my God. All right, Jerry. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out this week. Uh, you can find the socials. Those will all be the show notes. And we'll catch you all next week. Hell, yeah. Thanks for coming on, Roland. Appreciate it, man. Pat, thanks for having me. And, uh, Pat, thanks again for sending me that uh, Leaving a Legacy playback. Oh, hell, yeah. It. Yep. It's so Oh, glad. great. I'm I love it. Super glad. Super glad. Thanks, man. Hell, yeah. Everyone write Pat and tell him that esports is a real sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Do it. Bye. (laughs) 